Okay, for our first message this morning, it's going to be brought to us by Mr. Mark McGarvey, and it is entitled, The Passover Prayer. Good evening, everyone. I kind of like this layout with the tables and everything. It's different. Get more people in here. I think. Nice to have that, uh, those rousing songs to get us started and get us really in the mood for today and this time of year. So, that last night that Jesus spent with his disciples, um, at the Passover meal. And after that was an event-filled time. You know, it wasn't even 24 hours from the time that Jesus and the disciples met in that room, the Passover meal, and everything, to his crucifixion. I don't know how many hours it was. It was maybe 18, 12 hours. It wasn't very long at all. But in that time, everything changed, changed the world. The time had come, and he knew it. Christ knew that his mission had come into a close. His disciples didn't, and so he had to explain to them on that last night what was going to happen. And as we looked and read those scriptures on Passover a couple of nights ago, especially in the book of John, we get a, a beautiful insight, a glimpse into the mind of God. Because the, God, the words which John wrote could only come from an all-loving, super-intelligent being. Of course, you've got to remember, John wrote the book of John, the book of Revelation, and he would have been there that evening. I'm not sure if he was scribbling down everything as it was being said by Jesus, or if it was, you know, inspired by, by God later on after the event. But everything that's recorded in the book of John, as well as in Matthew, Luke, and, and Mark, the words that Jesus said. So, what I wanted to just focus on today is that last evening, um, Jesus and his disciples shared together a couple of events that happened um, and how what he said and did uh, leaves no doubt as to who he was and what he said. So, as we read in the 14th chapter of John initially, that's where I want to start. We'll be mostly in the book of John today, just a few scriptures here. Uh, John chapter 14, and uh, we'll start in verses 7 through 11. Let's just read those few verses first. Um, Jesus had uh, washed his disciples' feet um, and set that example for us. Uh, they had eaten their Passover meal by this point, and Judas Iscariot had left the gathering to go and get ready for what he was going to do. So we pick it up here in John chapter 14 and verse 7. Let's read that. Yeah, because after this, after what had happened, the, the meal, the washing of the feet, there's a little discussion between Jesus and his disciples, and one of these is right here. So let's see here in verse 7. That Jesus says, If you had known me, you would have known my Father also, and from now on you know him and have seen him. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and it is sufficient for us. 
Jesus said to him, Have I been with you so long, and yet you have not known me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. So how can you say, Show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father, and the Father in me? The words that I speak to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does the works. Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father in me, or else believe me for the sake of the works themselves. Jesus is saying to Philip and all of them in that room, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. They are one and the same. Same mind, same ideas, same love. And as my study Bible uh, explains, says, quote, Jesus was explaining to them that he was revealing God the Father to them. It is impossible to escape the claim Jesus was making. Clearly, he was claiming to be God, end quote. And it baffles the mind sometimes, all the, the other examples that, all the miracles he performed and everything that he'd done, raising people from the dead, even at this, this time, they still have questions. They still question him about certain things. So, and over the course of the rest of the evening, he would reveal more of the thoughts of his father and himself. So then we're going to move forward a couple of chapters to chapter 17, where Jesus prays firstly for himself. He then prays for his disciples. And then finally, the last part of the chapter for all of us. And that's where I, I'm going to skip to now. Let's read John chapter 17, verses 20 through 26. There you go. Okay, let's begin in, uh, in verse 20 here. I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be the same, sorry, that they may all be one as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they may also be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. And the glory which you gave me, I have given them, that they may be one just as we are one. So he's talking about a oneness, a unity. The Father and Son were one in mind and spirit. They think alike. They came together, perhaps discussed, Christ would come to earth before his, the whole thing happened. Um, how he would live his life, what he would do while on earth, down to how he would have to suffer and go through with, with it all until his death. Because he had a plan. Get to it, didn't they? Foundation of the world. The world doesn't believe that the Father sent his Son, but us Christians do. Unfortunately, Satan's world denies that there is even our God. Never mind that the Father sent the Son. Let's read on verse 23. I in them and you in me, that they may be made perfect in one, and that the world may know that you have sent me, and have loved them as you have loved me. For the Father, like Christ, wants all human beings to be saved, to believe in him, Come to the truth, because the Father loves us all as Christ loves us, his creation. 
And you don't have to turn there, but I've got another scripture which I didn't give to Brian, but it's in the same token, Ezekiel 18.23, where it says, Do I have any pleasure at all that the wicked should die, says the Lord, and not that he should turn from his ways and live? So, So God wants everyone to come to him. He can live and have eternal life, to have that chance. Let's read on and verse 24. Jesus says, Father, I desire that they also whom you gave me may be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory which you have given me, for you love me because of the, before the foundation of the world. So this is where our faith comes into it. We believe that the Father sent him. We believe that he is our glorious king and he will return in glory. He reiterates here how the father has always loved him since before the world was created. Their pre-existence together. Like I said, they had a plan, a get-go. Jesus Christ would come to earth as a Jew, live in Judah, Israel, live live out his life, however many years, years that would be, and then give himself up to death. So let's conclude the last couple of verses here, verses 25 through 26. So as Jesus gets down to the nitty-gritty here, as he's speaking in this prayer, but also the disciples with him, he says, O righteous Father, the world has not known you, but I have known you, and these have shown that you sent me. And I have declared to them your name, and will declare it, that the love which, with which you loved me may be in them, and I in them. And this is something we, we gloss over sometimes and don't realize. Love between the Father and the Son is unbelievable. It's a agape love. It's, it, it's a love that no human being can experience. But when Christ was here on earth, he tried to show that love, and I think he exhibited it a lot in the examples that have been left for us. An incredible love between the Father and Son. And although the world didn't know about the Father before Christ's first coming, they do now. We do now. Through Jesus' prayer, and in a way a conversation with the Father, on the eve of his death, we really see their connection. Their oneness, their unity. And so we must follow Christ's example, therefore, to each other. To exhibit that same love and caring. We talk about what he has done for us and how he works in us every day, but we can thank him for how he loves us and pray that he can strengthen us and give us hope and faith for what lies ahead. Because Jesus went through incredible anguish that night and into the morning by taking the form of a human being he now would go through all the emotions one would in such a situation. You know, there was betrayal, sorrow, there was loneliness from his heart at some points. Not only would Judas Iscariot betray him in an unbelievable way for 30 pieces of silver, as we know, but all the disciples would run away that night when Judas came back with the, the, the garrison from the temple. They'd run away. They didn't, they didn't want to get captured or killed. 
And then later on, a few hours after that, Peter would deny him three times. Kind of the, the lead disciple, like Jesus' captain for the rest of the disciples, would deny him three times, as we know. But let's conclude one last uh, scripture I want to look at here in the book of Luke. <coughs> uh, Luke chapter 22 and uh, verses 39 through 44. Now, sometimes we read scriptures and we can gloss over them. When in preparation for this message, I read this scripture and it was like, how did I not see this before? This is Luke recording what happened in the Garden of Gethsemane. Luke 22 verses 39 through 44. Let's look at this here. 39 through 44. Yeah. Coming out, he went to the Mount of Olives, as he was accustomed, and his disciples also followed him. When he came to the place, he said to them, pray that you may not enter into temptation, Jesus tells his disciples. And he was withdrawn from them about a stone's throw, so not very far, and he knelt down and prayed, saying, Father, if it is your will, take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Notice here verse 43. Then an angel appeared to him from heaven, strengthening him. And being in agony, he, paved, he prayed more earnestly. Then his sweat became like great drops of blood, falling down to the ground. Now, I never noticed that before. I glossed over the fact that an angel came to Jesus as he was praying that night. Because it's not mentioned in John. I don't think it's men mentioned in Matthew or Mark. But the angel strengthens him. And he had this angelic help to face what was coming, didn't he? Did being in the presence of an angel sent by the Father bolster his strength, his will? It must have, surely. Father sends his angel down to Jesus. The angel is right there by Christ. Maybe the angel could not be seen by anybody else but Jesus. I mean, how awe-inspiring would that have been to Christ? At this moment when he's in this anguish, he knows what lies ahead. He knows he's going to be betrayed by Judas. He knows that in a few hours, he's going to have to go on that cross and die. But Father sent this glorious, beautiful angel to him right there. And maybe he's saying words of encouragement and strengthening Jesus, but that must have been something. That must have really bolstered him and gave him the, the, the belief and strength to see through. Not looking forward to it, but to the end. So, and in verse 44, not saying that it was, but it could have been the conditioned uh, hematohydrosis, which is a rare condition. <coughs> Characterized by, by blood oozing from intact skin. Uh, it's been recorded. Many, many studies have been done over the years. Where you, in situations of extreme stress and anguish, blood can just pour out from, any, from your skin. No, no, don't have to have a cut or anything. Uh, blood's been known to come out of the eyes, out of the ears. And talk about extreme stress and anguish. Jesus is going through this moment. So a very... It's interesting that Luke, the physician, is the, is the only one who, who describes that because he would have understood that situation. Very interesting, but it goes to show another thing that Jesus was going through that night. So, but um, 
So very interesting some of these scriptures we looked at and, and just amazing what all he went through that night for us. But to summarize, Jesus truly loves us, God the Father loves us, and they came together to plan Christ's first coming and his sacrifice for us. But we also know they have planned his second coming when we will all become part of the God family. May that day come.